Welcome back to Ever Ancient, Ever New, the podcast in which we hunt for the gems and the forgotten treasures of our church. I'm Father Kyle Kowalsik, joined by Jeremy Darling, and it's good to, good to be with you. Amen. How was that? How was that? Was that good? That was great. That was great. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that could work. Hidden right, gems, indeed. Good. Do we? Um, did you get us music? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, oh, that so no. So no. Here's the thing. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yeah. yet. We gotta pull out our we gotta have a music episode. This is what we're gonna do. Let's get a music episode. We'll write one. We'll write a jingle. That'll be a whole episode of writing a, a jingle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, good, good. So um so we wanted to we wanted to talk about today. Uh you had you had mentioned it because I mean, the the big thing in the, in the news recently, right now, is um, uh, Frank Pavone, yeah, um, yep. formerly Father Frank Pavone, um, and you know, I've heard, I've heard, you know, at the parish, I've heard stuff, people, you know, upset, frustrated, what the heck is going on? How is the church doing this? Yeah, um, or on the other hand, like, well, what the heck is Pavone doing? Why yeah. did he do that? Why did he say that? And you're like, oh man, this is this is messy. <laughs> yeah, it gets very messy. And for me, it for me, it's it's personal to a large degree because of what happened to my father, mm. uh, you know, four years ago when in our Protestant world when he was um, unceremoniously defrocked by uh, a group of his peers, um, and it was a cruel and terrible situation. And I watched my father absorb it silently, and it's something I'll never forget because of how well he modeled uh, our Lord in taking something that was beyond an injustice. I mean, to say it was an injustice is, is an extreme understatement. What had been done in my father, it was malicious and it was designed to humiliate him. And he absorbed it silently. Now, certainly in, in private with his family, you know, we got to see what he was going through and even to this day, what he struggles with. Um, but I'll never forget that, great sign of christ in his silence mm -hmm. <clears throat> and really showed the kind of man that he was now i'm not saying that there are not times uh, and, and to, that's what it was it was a Sirach chapter two you know like greatness is proved in the the crucible of humiliation uh, you know that's it's a like, great i should get a tattoo of that <laughs> <laughs> i need to go read that afterwards um i, I, I should send it to my dad um that's in the apocrypha. He might. I know. Not, uh... I know. I'm trying. I'm. I'm <laughs> I've been sending him more stuff recently. Uh, just so articles. Send, send, send it to him and just let without without the reference. Like, oh, I read that. This is in the Bible. The other That's day. a great idea. And then he was like, "Oh, this is so good. That's a great. I, idea. I can't find it in my Bible. Where is it? My dad knows the Bible too well. He would know right away. He'd be like, read, well, yeah. I've never read that in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I I watched this situation with with Frank unfold and. Um, it it really it really brings all of the struggles, the current struggles in the church to the surface as people sort of jump on sides. Because mm, yeah. if you if you don't immediately defend Pavone, I've been accused of being a progressive. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really it, it's it's just sad to see it all go down. Now I just want to say this actually this episode is not about Pavone. I want to get into process and I and I want to understand as a Catholic what ought our response be. When these things happen, what's the way to be holy and charitable? Because there are times when an innocent person needs to be defended by his peers. 
by his brothers and sisters, or he got to stand up for somebody who cannot stand up for themselves. So I believe that, and I've done that. Um, and there are other times when we just need to sort of look at a situation and, and try and assess and make a judgment. And so this is just, to me, an interesting situation. And I'll just add a couple of things in here that maybe folks don't understand. And then I'm just going to ask you some questions. Yeah. And and maybe even just before we get to that, like, just to say that there, this is not new, you know, there's, right. there's rare, rarely, is there something completely new? And we've, we've seen, um, I, I think it's clear, like there, there's some, there's something there's some sort of, there's something unjust, unjust going on, either on the part of Pavone or on the part of the church or on the part of both, or, you know, yeah. it's like, I'm not, I'm not the one who gets to make that call, but Thank God I'm not either. <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's always been situations like this and you can, yeah. you can look through the history of the church and find like, uh, uh, St. John Chrysostom was exiled. Well, he's yeah. a saint. He was, he was exiled several times, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems a little more severe. Yeah, John of the Cross was imprisoned by his own religious community. Um, uh, Saint Louis de Montfort was on on multiple occasions forbidden to, you know, erect a cross after a big parish mission. He was forbidden to. There's one. There's this one big parish mission. They got he got all the men riled up and like they were bringing all all their illicit material pornographic stuff out and they were going to burn it all up and then somebody had gotten the bishop to come and the bishop said nope nope you're done i want louis you get out of here wow you know, wow he, he's just like, okay uh padre pio right he's forbidden from saying mass in public hearing confessions um the list goes on and on of these kind of injustices. Saint uh, Saint Ignatius of Loyola. You know how many times he was sent to the Inquisition? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I think it was like three times. I think three that's times right. he went to the Inquisition, and um, and and in part you see like okay, part of the part of the church's job is to you know the hierarchy is to maintain order, and whenever somebody's doing something that's a little bit different or odd. It's like okay, we gotta we gotta investigate this, and yeah. the investigators are not always saints. Yes. But to to become a saint means that I'm obedient to the unsaintly among us. And this actually, m- many of the heretics in the in the church were were heretics because they were holier than those people who were in charge of them. Huh. That's actually really important. They were holier than the people who said, hey, stop doing this, or you can't do this, you can't say this. And they allowed their holiness to turn into pride. And then they acted wrongly. You know, yeah. So this is is a very, very typical thing. And then they became heretics, you know, either separating themselves from the church or starting to uh, attach themselves to heretical groups because they were living these very strict seemingly holy lives that's and, very uh, that's very interesting observation <laughs> that 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 kind of holiness if left unchecked could um could lead to pride if if your response to injustice is not measured and obedient that's very very interesting that's probably a whole podcast there in, well so in, so obedience becomes the 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 litmus test of holiness yeah and and our lord i mean we saw that in his life he learned obedience by what he suffered yeah. Scripture tells us he learned obedience by what he suffered and that we're to model that. And so I, I'm, 
you know, just to add some perspective on Frank's situation, he runs a secular ministry called Priest for Life. I don't know if that means um, we are Catholic priests that are pro-life or if it means <clears throat> we're all as Christians priests for the rest of our lives. I'm not actually sure which one it means. Um, but it is a secular organization, <clears throat> meaning not non-Christian, but it's not under the government. It's not an apostolate. It's not a recognized apostolate. So he's at the top of that organization, and it's totally his right to do that. So for anyone that thinks um, he's claimed that he was defrocked for being too pro-life, I would argue that his, his ministry is still alive and well. And in essence, at least to a, a large amount of his followers, he's been made into something of a martyr. Um and I don't think that the bishops that are involved in this are dumb enough to not recognize that that would probably happen. So he's still doing his ministry. Um, he's also still advocating, uh, you know, very hard um, for uh, Donald Trump and uh, MAGA and and all of that, as is his right to do. I think it's important uh, for cats to be involved in politics, um, even if I think Pavone at times has taken it too far. So he's still doing all of those things. And my understanding is in this situation, his bishops and this has gone on for a long time, finally got to the point that said, you know, your, your priestly duties are being abdicated here in, in place of, you know, this ministry and your, your political work. And you got to kind of choose. And that's my perspective, you know, having read quite a bit from pillar and cultural Catholic and crisis magazine, very kind of differing uh, publications gathering those pieces together. Um, but what I think is important is it reminded me a lot of Martin Luther, not that Pavone is a heretic or is going to be a heretic, but um, that Luther was, in essence, kind of the first, I probably said this before, the really the first celebrity preacher. Mm. And we see this um, happen so often in the Protestant world. And because their their church, they're really built around a man and a personality. You can't really have a Protestant church. Uh, when I say Protestant, I mean sort of your, your evangelical Baptist, non-denominational Protestant church without a really gifted preacher. Uh, and personality. And and so we saw that in Luther, when he got a little bit of a following, even though the 95 thesis was right on and was very Catholic, most most Protestants don't even have never even read the 95 thesis. Um, once he got a following of what was at the time college students and he got really big for his britches. And then then the stuff he started saying after that was just I mean, it was nuts. If you really read right. what he wrote in the next 30 years. Well, and that's that's a pretty typical pattern of uh, the, the the cycle. And actually, Ronald Knox wrote a book in which he, uh, he it's called Enthusiasm, and he kind of goes through the history of the church and various moments in in church history where a Martin Luther, for instance, has what he called probably a a a real inspiration from the Holy Spirit to say, hey, there's, there's, you notice like there's some corruption here. This isn't good. Um, we need to fight against this. Great. And then at some point, human, human pride took over and just started running amok. And we can see this again and again and again in various movements to start off good and then end not so good or really bad. Yeah, but the devil's in all these things, of course. But what I what I look for in these moments is the response of the man who who may be being treated um unjustly. And you know, we can kind of move, I think, past uh Frank at this point and certainly keep him in our prayers and recognize that first of all, I think it's a blessing to say, at least in the Catholic Church, that this is not a regular thing. 
it's not often that you hear about or know a priest um, who is either exiled or silenced or defrocked. Um, and since I've been Catholic now for four years, this is the first time I've seen it happen. I've known of other priests that have been in, in trouble or asked to be quiet or in some form of discipline. Um, but I've actually not known of one, uh, you know, being defrocked, which is why this one was in particular so interesting to me. Yeah, it was it was kind of I mean, that was I don't I don't follow a whole lot of news or anything. So all of a sudden you just hear Pavone got defrocked. I'm like, uh, there's got to be more behind, behind yeah. the scenes going on. That's now, the, probably I, the first thing that you should say. As yeah. a Catholic, when you hear these things, is if you just hear it on Twitter, there's probably more going on. More, more going on. Uh, I remember kind of my my first, the first celebrity priest that I knew was Father John Carapi, who some of our listeners might remember. And um, when I was starting to get, you know, more into my my faith, right around, uh, I was in college, and I went to a couple conferences that he was speaking. I was a great speaker. Had a amazing testimony i'd seen him live a couple times watched a lot of his videos listened to some of his audio tapes uh just really really stellar i mean there's still things that he said that you know resonate in my mind and uh have continued to be helpful for for me and for my faith and priesthood and then um yeah and i think i think he got I think he let the fame go to his head. I remember, um, I remember a religious sister uh, who was in that same community. Uh, I was talking to her, um, and she said, "Yeah, we we saw him recently, and he looked like he was really tan and was like looking really good." And she's like, mm. "Man, that's that's not that's not the priestly. That's not the, that's not the best way to maintain your your um, promise of of celibacy uh, or poverty or <laughs> right." Um, and uh, mm. and and so now now at the end of the day, so he ended up going kind of rogue, and then tried to make a run like you know, do this rogue priest thing on the internet. And then quickly he like went dark. And the the rumors that I've heard is that he's actually back in the monastery and just living, living out his life in silence and prayer, which is, that's Praise the God. best you can hope for in those situations. Right. Praise God. But I think that's hard, like to be a famous uh, to be a personality, no matter what. I mean, we see how it happens in in the the secular world. Yeah. It's not like it's different in the in the religious world that you know being famous. Whether I would argue, Protestant... I would argue it's probably even more dangerous because the devil's working even harder. Uh, yeah. At that point. Yeah. Um, and today it's so. I mean, you got you got YouTube and and Facebook and um, anybody you, like you can have every every person can have their guru. And I think this is a real danger too. You know, I've had a parishioner tell me like, "Oh yeah, uh, um, Vigano is my pope." Well, yikes! Shouldn't <laughs> yeah, say yeah, that out loud. <laughs> Vigano can't be your pope. Um, <laughs> we have a pope, and think what you like about him. Uh, you got to pray for him, uh, but he's he's the pope, and we don't get to say, you know, this is the person I take my marching orders from, or that person, yeah. or that person. Yeah, that this point. That point, you might as well just seed and and go form a new sect. I mean, yeah. So if you could all do us a favor and not tell anybody about our podcast so that <laughs> we don't get famous, yes, that would be yes. really helpful. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. I, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. It's just an interesting note because I believe strongly it's what drew me into the Catholic Church. 
I, uh, you know, was was a worship leader since I was 17, and that became a very big thing at our church. And I loved about my my dad. My dad could have been a radio evangelist. He could have written books. He could have been a traveling evangelist, preacher, and all this stuff. Is really the most talented man I've ever met in my life. He just wanted to be a husband and a father. And I remember my dad being around a lot. And I remember, you know, knowing he was a pastor, knowing there was a lot of weight on his shoulders and seeing him break down. But I, he enjoyed his family more than his ministry. Ministry never became his mistress. And what I took that from my father is that it, it, he never let the fame get to his head because part of the reason all these years later that these men turned on him is because no one could really match my father's righteousness or his marriage or his life. And it it drove a lot of these men crazy. And they just sought to cut him down to size because they they felt they, that was their own problem. It was nothing my dad did other than living a, a tremendously holy life and continues to live a tremendously holy life. And that will draw uh, attention from all the wrong people, uh, most certainly. But I recognized uh, growing up, boy, these, these kind of same things could really trap me as well if I'm not careful as this worship leader on stage. And I recognize that I, I could have many times probably just resigned. That would have been the honest thing to do because the attention I got as a worship leader um, just drove me nuts. I loved singing with God's people. I loved hearing other people's voices sing with me. I preferred music that way, but I also thought it was so weird how people would stare at me while they're singing the whole songs and their kids were staring at me while we're singing through these songs. People were weeping and they're looking at me and it just all felt so wrong. And and becoming Catholic was sort of a natural progression for me to get away from that. And so I think I'm just particularly sensitive whenever I see it happening in the in the Catholic world, which is much more rare uh, uh, by design than in the Protestant world. And I would say it, it is interesting to note I, other than Martin Luther, I can't name uh, you know a, a Catholic priest. Um, you know, who, well, maybe I think we, we've got Wycliffe. Wycliffe was a priest, right? John Wycliffe? No, I don't remember. Probably. Um, I mean, the tw- in the 13th century had to have been. Um, other than a couple of guys around the Reformation era, I couldn't name you a single Catholic priest who went rogue and started his own sect that grew into anything. Um, and, well, and so- a lot. I mean, there were more in early church history, like Tertullian and guys yeah. like this who, um, you know, but a lot of them history's just forgotten them because yeah. in, in the end of the day, you don't as a Catholic, you don't get famous by going rogue. Correct. You get famous by being radically holy and yeah. obedient. Yeah. And, and, and that's so different. And that's that's what's beautiful to me is that this is not a pattern. The church doesn't have a pattern of just randomly defrocking priests. You rarely hear about it when it happens. And there's not a pattern you see of priests um going rogue. Are there other problems? In the priesthood in the last hundred years? Yes. It's not about whether or not there's problems. Um, but what we're looking for here is a response. And so from a Catholic who's just watching this, number one, um, I would say going on Twitter and um, trying to stand up for somebody before you have all the facts or just attacking somebody before you have all the facts is unhelpful. I do think being engaged in the public square as Christians is important. Um, and, and, but this is an opportunity for so many people to be scandalized. Like what Frank does next could either bless and increase the holiness of 
the, uh, the listener and the reader or could scandalize them. And I don't think people take that very seriously. I certainly never took it seriously. I take it very seriously now that what I do and say could cause many of the people to sin. Like, oh my gosh, like you've just now compounded sin upon sin exponentially through the power of Twitter to like thousands or hundreds of thousands of people mm. with something you said or did. That's a very, very big deal and leaves a very big mark on your soul. And we can look to these saints and see that this has happened before. You just pointed out a number of times yeah. how many times this has happened. And as a Catholic, if you're not, if you're not well versed in history and you're not well versed in the saints, then this stuff does look like aberrations to you. Right. And and let's 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 be clear too that like there there certainly could be some injustice on the side of the, For the sure. powers that be. But if if when they said Pavone wants you back in the parish, he would have just said, Okay. No, he could have said, Hey, look, you know, O'Connor said that like I could do this, and his bishop was like, That's that's great. I need you back in the parish. That's the point where you say, All right. I'm going back to the parish. Yeah. Uh and and that's that's what that's what we got to do. That's that's obedience. That's the vow that we've we've made. And 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 I think like I just can't see that being a a, a significant scenario without having that sort of like I, I just think the fame kind of compiles that. And every every pastor is is famous to some extent at least in his own sure, parish. He's a public figure, absolutely. Right? You know, it's like and to, to, to your to your point too of like um you know you're sit you're you're pre- playing worship music and everybody's staring at you well i'm the priest i'm up there praying to god saying the words of institution to the whole of the for the holy eucharist and what everybody doing oh they're staring at me yeah. so it's just as awkward I, every priest knows exactly what you're what you're referring <laughs> to and it's Praise not god. it's not the uh not the right thing um but you know you're kind of used to like I mean people that love you you hate they hate you but they know you, um, yeah. And it's just a it's just a weird place weird place to be. And now it really with, is now with you know like well all my homilies are online and on podcasts and there's stuff on on YouTube and Facebook uh, partially because you just have to reach out to your your own people. But then other people can st- you know and so like. So and so, have you heard this priest in Delano? I mean, someone from Idaho. I've heard this priest right, in Delano. I listen to him right, all the time. Right. That was right. that was endemic in the Protestant world. Like their pastor didn't preach properly from the word or didn't do X, Y, or Z, but they would listen to this guy on the radio or listen to this, you know. Right. So uh, so we're in the era of like I can have my guru priest. Yeah. And so, well, you know, this priest who I I, I find find the one you agree with. It's, we already do it with our parishes to some extent. I go to the parish that fits me and now i can just find the preacher that fits me as well yeah i'm gonna go on the record right now and saying i i can't think of a good enough reason for homilies to be available online because i feel like if you weren't at the mass you weren't at the mass so you missed <laughs> that's how it was for pretty much all of human history now we do have some homilies written down and they made great books i have uh um balthazar's um you crown the year with your goodness which is sort of his homilies following the church calendar is beautiful. I like reading it, but he's with the Lord now and he's not my priest, nor do I compare my priest. And frankly, again, this is a, this is sort of a Protestant perspective. The homily is like kind of the least important part of the mass to me. Yeah, yeah, They're always beautiful. I've rarely sat through a homily that I was like, wow, that actually, that guy's not a great speaker, but what he said actually was very interesting. 
I've, I've oh, you, sat haven't, and, you haven't been Catholic long enough. <laughs> I do appreciate ad orientum um, when the priest faces the same direction as the, you know, the lady, which is we all, we're all facing yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And all I get is the beautiful, what is not the stole. What's that? The, the chasuble. The yeah. chasuble. Like you get, he just kind of fits in at least in a really pretty church. He just sort of fits into the scenery there. Yeah. Um, but it's an, it's, it's troubling to me modernity, what modernity has, has done and uh, what we've been subjected to in terms of just constant, constant media. I think you may have said this, but 80 until 80 years ago, Catholics around the world probably never even knew what their Pope looked like, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> let alone heard his voice or, or read anything, anything that he said, right? <laughs> Nothing. But now, I mean, God bless this Pope's the last, you know, 40 years. Oh, you man. speak something and it's around the world. You know, you you kiss yeah. a Quran and uh, it's an image there for the rest of, of human history. To be a Pope today. Um, I wonder if, just, like, I wonder what? if we're ever going to be able to canonize anybody ever again, because there's always going to be something that we, now we have video evidence of the one time that you, you know, you said or did whatever. <laughs> right. you know. Think about, think about not just video, emails text messages yeah. like 30 years from now you got a devil's advocate who's doing all the research into yeah. father kyle kowalsik because of a miracle or something and they're <laughs> going right. through your emails and they're your like, text Ooh. messages like i was joking it was a joke it was like to my like close friend we yeah. were joking you're out of context you don't understand right so god bless the man that uh that God raises up to do that job and looking for, cause I'm well, like, man. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me give two, two final examples and, and we'll wrap up, but I have, so I have a, a, a priest friend who years ago now had been uh, accused of something that had happened years before that. And it had already been cleared several times, but just because of the climate of the church and the cancel culture, uh, it just seemed apparent that his bishop wasn't willing to put him back in a ministry. So he's basically been like, just kind of, uh, you know, he's he's still a priest. He still has his, says his private mass. He still uh, does his does his breviary, um, but he doesn't get to function as a priest. And I'll see him from time to time. He's not bitter. He's not he's not angry. He's just he's just living his life. It's it's very encouraging. It's very edifying mm. that mm. even though there's injustice that has been done to him, he's just is embracing it silently as as Christ and um and just continues like no the most important thing that I do as a priest is I offer the holy sacrifice of the mass and I can do that whether or not I'm uh, I'm active or or silenced yeah and and. Uh, yeah, so this is a really this is a it's a beautiful beautiful witness. Um, I would say I'd say this too, as far as like famous personality priests, um, Father Mike Schmitz is, I mean, arguably the most famous priest in in the country. country right, now, yeah. uh, right, I've known him since before he was cool. Now I'm not going to go so far as to say that we're buddies or anything like that um, or acquaintances. I think he'd recognize me if we ran into each other as time we do, but he used to be uh, my, my dad was went to the UMD. Uh, he worked at UMD and was his pastor up there. Um, so I, I knew him since, since then, this is 15, 15 plus years ago. 
And then, um, and then just kind of saw him as he got more famous locally in Minnesota and some of the lifeline masses at net, and then started having some, uh, audio recognition and then YouTube and now the Bible in the year and now the catechism in the year, which is coming out, um, soon. Yeah. Um, and every time I meet him, every time I, I see him, he's just, he's exactly the same. Praise God. And that to me is a guy who's just grounded in prayer. Who's grounded in his his men's group group of group of brother priests that he walks with, and who's got a really good spiritual director, uh, and who has ha, hopefully has a lot of people praying for him yeah. that he just and I pray for him regularly, like just just keep it, Lord, keep his head on straight and Amen. keep his keep him grounded um, because he's doing so much good. Yeah, and if he gets too famous for that, and and like if his bishop were to say. Hey Mike, I need you to stop with the podcast stuff, and I need you to take this big parish in, uh, you know, in Duluth. And I think that he would say, "Yep, yep." Um, Praise God. I mean, look, someone's got to do it. It's not that no one's ever not called to some. Fulton Sheen's a great example. You know, Father Patrick Payton's another great example. I meant, but the the irony is, it it they may have had these great personalities or postulates. But there was a, a direction they were pointing, and they were bringing people to Christ. <clears throat> and Fulton Sheen put up with a lot of crap, too. Uh, I read more and more about his life, even now, and his death, the people trying to keep him from being canonized. Um, so certainly some men are called to it, and uh, and you just believe that God provides the graces necessary to keep them humble and uh, and to protect them. Because there's no doubt that we need these, these evangelists and these mouthpieces. Yeah. Uh, to a degree. So pray for your priests. Guys. Right, pray yeah. For priests. And that's the thing, but I don't get to decide if I'm called to that or not. Right. My, my, my bishop does. Right. Whether he's right or wrong, your conscience yep. only counts if you're, if you're being called to sin. Okay. And so people brought this up even with Pavone's situation. Well, his conscience was to do this ministry. That's not about conscience. Yeah. Your conscience is right or wrong. Okay, St. Thomas More, Blessed Franz Jaeger's daughter, these, these are martyrs of conscience. It was over sin. When a bishop asks you to sin, you can't sin. Right. But beyond that point, whether the bishop's right or wrong, our job is to obey because that's what Jesus did, Yeah, even unto yeah. death. So let's let's pray. Yeah, like you say, let's pray, especially pray for pray for all our priests, but pray for the famous priests, you know, that they can they can uh keep their feet on the ground so that they can t- continue to do good work and Amen. Man, obedience, even if even if they got called out of doing something that was really fruitful ministry. Yeah. Um, and let's pray for Provone. I pray that, you know, he'll um yeah, just live out the rest of his his life in in uh silence and obedience, prayer, penance. I mean Amen. God forbid that I ever get accused of something or get silenced, but I hope that I have the <laughs> the the grace to just suffer that well. Suffer quietly like our Lord. That is that is how we live. Priest or lady, we all have to live like that. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless y'all. At Catholic Order of Foresters, we're committed to bringing Catholic values to life and financially protecting Catholic families right here in Minnesota. Our members enjoy benefits like scholarship eligibility and peace of mind knowing their family is secure, even if something happens to them. Each year, thousands join us to support people in need through our Feeding God's Children events, spirituality tap-ins, and mission trips. Wouldn't you love to be a part of an organization that embodies your Catholic values? 
Find out how you can be a part of Catholic Order of Foresters by calling General Agent Brian Markiton at 763-658-4009. That's Brian at 763-658-4009.